Looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Pass the Post. Sunday, February 27. We're just about at the end of the month of February. And, uh, well, of course, if you're in the Brisbane or southeast Queensland area, it's probably not a good morning. In fact, it's a pretty rotten morning. We've had almost nine inches of rain in Brisbane over the last 24 hours, and that followed eight hours, uh, eight inches in the preceding 24 hours, almost 17 inches of rain over 48 hours. Quite extraordinary. Ben Dorries is with me as usual. Ben, good morning. Yeah, good morning, uh, David. Pretty dramatic morning, I guess, for southeast Queensland, isn't it, with... Uh, you know, this catastrophic flooding and, and rains. Um, gee whiz, they said it wouldn't be 2011 levels, but I reckon by the end of the day, uh, it may not be far off. Look, on a racing front, uh, I spoke uh, only five minutes ago to Cameron Partington, the boss of the Trainers Association in Queensland. Look, he's not aware of any uh, trainers' stables that are in significant, um, you know, trouble. He hasn't had anyone contact him uh, and say that, but trainers obviously are. There is, you know, flooding at stables, helping each other out. One thing I have heard is that Washpool Lodge, uh, which is where, uh, you know, a lot of Queensland horses go for, for rest and rehab, has been cut off by the, the, the floodwaters. So the, the property itself isn't flooded, but just the, effectively the road in and out. So, for instance, Rob Heathcote, uh, who I spoke to this morning, was uh, going to send Startantes out there um, just for a bit of a rest uh, after one running, you know, to within a whisker of winning the surround in Sydney, but that won't obviously be possible because Washpool Lodge is cut off. So, um, look, dramatic times, I guess, for South East Queensland and, and from a, a, racing pr- a racing front, we hope all racing people are safe and well and, and staying out of harm's way. Yes, it's um, sort of really developed uh, overnight um, with, in terms of flooding and accessibility. We were talking about this yesterday, but it certainly has been accentuated by this continuing heavy rain and, and hopefully, fingers crossed, we see that ease later this afternoon or early evening. Of course, no racing today in south-east Queensland, understandably. But we, and we had no racing yesterday, of course, but we had racing uh, on a grand level at Caulfield and also at Royal Ram. We can get a look at those meetings in great detail. Of course, as you know, uh, past the post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing. Go to their, their website, archerparkracing.com.au. Tell you a bit more about Archer Park Racing a little later in the program. But let's get stuck into this good meeting at Caulfield yesterday. It is one of their biggest of the year, their big uh, summer meeting, three group ones. And let's go to the first of that trio, the Blue Diamond. And the favourite was Jackano, $4.40 in what was an open betting race. Semion joined by English Riviera as they reached the 250 from Miss Rosiano Dormier and then came Revolutionary Miss and Jackano. It's a big finish. Semion English Riviera. Dormier's lifting. Revolutionary Miss and Jackano coming as well. Dormier holding on. They hit the line. Dormier in a photo with Revolutionary Miss and then Jackano and Sebenak behind them. English Riviera. Next count the headlights. Next to complete the course. Semion in company then with Merchant Prince from Rampant Line, Kiki Express, Miss Rosiano, waltz on by. Well back in the field then was Seven Sisters with Flashing Steel and also Hafey. Yes, the judges' nod went to Dormier by a short half-head from the Sydney visitor, Revolutionary Miss, and the favourite Jackano was a brave third and neck behind the pair. Of course, Dormier gave Anthony Friedman his third Blue Diamond as a trainer, his son Sam his second, Mark Zara finally cracked it for a Blue Diamond victory. And the uh, Royal Blue of Godolphin, one of the four there. Vin Cox representing Godolphin, always uh, uh, affords us his time. And he's our first guest this morning. Congratulations, Vin. Yeah, thank you, David. It was a very exciting result, obviously, for the Friedman camp. But uh, but uh, everyone in the, that wears a blue shirt, we were uh, particularly thrilled and excited for the horse to win, the, win a Blue Diamond. So Did you think day. you'd won? Uh, when we hit the line, I thought we did, yes. But uh, 100 metres out, I was starting to worry. But uh, once we got there, it was, uh, you know, it was good. It was good fun, a great great atmosphere at Caulfield uh, yesterday, and um, it's great to have some of our team about. Was this cold a little bit of a, a sleeper for you in a way, Vin? I remember having you on the, this show, I think, last week or perhaps the week before and, and just asking you about your, your Blue Diamond representation. And, you know, you, you didn't necessarily sound sort of too up and about in terms of winning winning chances, but obviously the, the blinkers going on here have done, done the trick and, and this Colts just jumped out of the ground. Yeah, he's he's a horse funny when we sent him to the Freemans from very early days. Uh, 
Sam and Anthony both said he's a pretty nice cop. We've got a, you know, a good life chance at, at take aim at the Blue Diamond. Uh, then when he won the preview, um, there wasn't a lot of fanfare about his sorry, yeah the preview. There wasn't a lot of fanfare about his win, but it was just a good solid win. Um, and then the prelude, it was a nice third. Uh, you know, there was some speculation that he might have been on the wrong part of the track and things like that. But uh, look, we, we all thought he ran a nice race, but I mean, no one sort of expected him to be the front end of the market. Uh, and, and the stable reported the horse had done very well since since racing. So, you know, and, you know he had a lot of favours. He'd drawn well. Blinkers go on. We thought he would get a good track into the race, and that sort of all panned out um, in his favour. So, um, you can't take it away from him. He's a Group 1 winning colt. Uh, just delighted that, that he has won the Blue Diamond. Ben, these good trainers, these top trainers, win big races because of their ability and their ability to, to sense things and do things at the right time, a, a sense of timing. And blinkers on yesterday, Dormier, was a significant move. Oh, no question. Um, you know, well, well acknowledged fact that when you do put the blinkers on, you can you can squeeze that little bit extra, uh, extra length or extra half a length, and uh, and certainly uh, when you use it to effect like that, it's it's very beneficial. And uh, it, yesterday proved it. Um, that uh, you know, to, to Friedman's credit, I mean, what about their record in the Blue Diamond over the last four years? They've won it three times, and um, the only time they didn't win it was uh, two years ago when when they came second with. Hanseatic, another one of our horses. So, you know, they, they know their way through the the the, the, um, the Blue Diamond Pass. Just explain the background with, with sending, um, you know, some young horses to the Freedman's Vin. Um, is it just a case of sort of spreading the love and and obviously they're terrific trainers? But but what was the sort of genesis for that? Because I mean, like James Cummings, obviously, um, you know, had the Godolphin horses. What, what was the what was the initial blueprint to, to send horses to the Freedman's? We just we just send a few to them every year. Um, this current two-year-old crop, they've got they've got four. Uh, so what we do is we just pick a few out. There's no real science to it. Just a few nice horses, nothing from the top end and nothing from the bottom end, just in the middle there. And um, and it's, it gives us a point of reference for our own stable as to you know success and cost and and things like that. So uh, and Godolphin has had a long association with the Friedman family and. Um, and we've kept it going, and, and it's uh, it's obviously working out very well for both parties. And uh, but it is, it's a good barometer for us, and a, and a, and a, and, a, and a good benchmark. Now you're a man who could, I've never known you not to be able to answer a question. You've always got the question right, so I'm, <laughs> I'm sure you'll get this one right. Uh, a fun fact for the listeners: well, What does Dormier mean? <laughs> I've got no idea. If you <laughs> true. I thought you'd know. <laughs> No, I don't. Um, you'd have to ask Suzanne Philcox that one. She's charged with that responsibility, and I might look at it at the time. But uh, but uh, I, I, my, my memory's not that not 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 that good. But I should probably should have looked it up yesterday, but I didn't. He's a cult by Epelent out of Illustrate. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No. Yeah, I, I, I honestly don't know. And Vin Dormier is now on the fifth line of betting for for the Golden Slipper. Is there a, a chance we go that way, or like he's obviously had a few runs this campaign? Have been any decisions made in in that respect? Um, oh, yesterday? nothing. Then nothing at this early stage. Uh, you know, we'll just see how he comes out of Saturday. Uh, traditionally, they they like to to go to the the Golden Slipper from the Blue Diamond, and have done it the last few years with with Artorias and Hanseatic and and Liar. Um, so, uh, yeah, I would expect that that'll be on the radar, um, but the horse has got to be fit and right and ready to go and, you know, and, and compete, um, well in the, in the Golden Slipper. Of course, it's a, you know, it's a, a good race to win, particularly for a colt. So, yeah, we'll have a good hard look at it. What about, uh, Colette at Randwick yesterday? On face value, she had a, a good run, but she didn't come on on the straight. On face value, she looked disappointing, Vin. Yeah, I'd say disappointing. I mean, again, everything was in her favour. She loves a wet track. Uh, she'd run very well first up, and um, she just she was she she looked a beaten horse, uh, you know, fair way out. So uh, disappointing run. Uh, I haven't spoken to James directly about her at this stage, but um, we'll have a chat tomorrow morning and uh, just see where she is. But yeah, disappointing run, no doubt. In Cascadian, uh, Vin obviously won uh, well yesterday. Just got out at the right time. The All Star Mile, definitely. Or, or... Yeah, well, he's in, he's in the All Star Mile. Uh, we'll also have a look at the Australian Cup, which is on the week before, and 
uh, it's not beyond the realms of possibility going around both of them. I was at um, Carbine Lodge this morning and uh, chatting to Reg Fleming and we were uh, discussing the why fours and wherefores and the pros and cons of what we should and shouldn't do with him. But the horse, is, he looks fantastic. He's, he's doing as well as he's ever done since we've had him from Europe. And um, you know, he's a gelding and uh, you know, we, can, we can have a look at the Australian Cup and have a good look at the, at the All-Star Mile, whether it's one or other or both. Um, we'll see, but the chances are it could be both. I've got good staff in here. As soon as as soon as we don't know something, they they're straight to it on the double. Honore Dormier was a was a, a great artist and sculptor, a prolific artist and sculptor. Hence the name. There you go. Illustrate. <laughs> <laughs> but in the sporting field, it might have been some hope, but the art is a bit beyond my beyond me. <laughs> so I've, I've saved I've saved you some time this morning. Hey, just before you go, and, and thanks for your time. You're a man who uh, of many talents. You wear many hats. You're on the VRC committee. Um, are we going to hear any prize money increases soon? <laughs> Come on. Uh, look, I mean, uh, without giving too much away, obviously the competitions of Victoria generally, uh, not, not only the VRC are, are feeling from, um, from racing New South Wales, is, is quite significant. So um, there is talk and, uh, and discussion about what we should and shouldn't do. And, um, yeah, so watch this space, as they say. Very cagey answer as uh, we conclude this interview. Good on you, mate. Uh, thanks for no always, always appreciate the time. No, any time. Good on you, David. Thanks, Ben. Good on you. Vin Cox joining us from Godolphin. And, uh, yes, uh, the Freebans, they won it with Lyra in 2019. Second with Hanseatic by Tagaloa in 2020. Of course, one with Artorias last year and coming up trumps yesterday, uh, Ben. Yeah, and interesting fun fact for the listeners, believe it or not, um, the sire of Dormier, Epaulette, is now standing in Turkey of all places. So not even not even in metropolitan Tur- Turkey, at the back box somewhere in Turkey. So, not quite sure what the uh, what the long version of that story is. But um, yeah, just an interesting little one for the breeding buffs out there. There was a, a, a consensus or a school of thought that developed during the day, right from the get go, that it may well be a leader's track. Although in in this race, uh, I noticed in running, Dormier was seventh at the half mile, Revolutionary Miss was tenth, and Jackano was twelfth. So they did run on in this in this feature. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I, sometimes I reckon we sort of uh, not dismiss the Blue Diamond, but we sort of you know going forward we overlook it a little bit, don't take it as seriously as, as perhaps we should. But I reckon this one. Uh, the, the top four, certainly Dormier, revolutionary miss. So I thought lost absolutely no admirers and exceptionally well back. Started four dollars sixty. So that goes to show you, you know, whether smoke there's fire. I mean, uh, you know, she's obviously got some ability, some nice ability. Jack and I, well, I thought was good as well, and even Sebenak, you know, who ran fourth, uh, you know, probably just didn't get, uh, didn't quite get the run that they would have wanted necessarily. But I reckon the top four are all ones. Uh, we can follow going forward. But, yeah, you're right. It was a tricky old day uh, at Caulfield. I mean, early on, I think the first four leaders won. And uh, so, you know, this whole, you know, should, should they water the track on the day and all that sort of stuff, you know, that Peter, Peter Moody was blowing up a bit. That came to the fore a bit yesterday. But they did all seem to get their chance uh, in the Blue Diamond. And I don't think we could uh, we could say that the, the, the best horse on the day didn't, didn't win. They, they did. There wasn't too many unlucky runners um, behind Dormier. I think you made the, the point last week or the week before when you were looking at this futures market uh, before the, the final field. You said it looked as open as the Sydney Heads were $6 the field. I sort of think the result backs that up, that it's a, it's a more than handy group of two-year-olds. You have to be to get to a blue diamond, but no outstanding uh, performer there. No, um, probably not. I, I do think... Revolutionary Miss is definitely one uh, to follow going forward. And Jack and I was probably never going to be quite suited by the track pattern and got beaten like less than half a length, um, you know, being given a decent run by Damien Lane. So, look, I suppose it'd be interesting to monitor in the next week or so uh, which of these will, will continue on and, and, you know, head towards Sydney. It sounded very much from uh, what Vin Cox said that as long as Dormier keeps um, progressing, that the Golden Slipper uh, is in the offing for that colt. That's the 2022 Blue Diamond, the 52nd running of the um, Melbourne Features, Melbourne's a principal two-year-old event. Let's go to our next group one. This is the Futurity, and uh, Tefane, who was the Orr Stakes winner, went off the favourite here, 2.30 as they jumped away. 
coming around the corner. 350 out. It's Tarath held together. Mr. Mozart crabbed around the corner. Tafane presents. Sierra Sue needs a run. I'm Thunderstruck's hit a wall. And they were followed by Mawunga. It's Tarath at the 200. Sierra Sue lifting. Tafane needs to find Mawunga late. Sierra Sue takes Tarath. 100 metres to go. Sierra Sue pulls clear. And Sierra Sue won the futurity. Mawunga second. Tafane third. Tarath four. Then I'm Thunderstruck. Streets of Avalon Extreme Flight. Mr. Mozart was last. Well, there she was. Uh, she's a big-time player, Sierra Sue, and had a good run. John Allen riding her hard to victory. She was a $14 chance, and she's taken another group one yesterday in the form of the Futurity. Trent Bersutton and Natalie Young, of course, in training partnership at Cranbourne. Trent's with us. Trent, she's a giant killer. She just keeps on producing at the highest level. She does, and uh, sort of. she obviously won the Rupert Clark, um, but had 52.5 kilos, and she's had to take that step up to weight for age. Um, so she's uh, done that now and certainly wrapped. You've got an interesting puzzle to uh, pull apart now, haven't you, uh, Trent? I mean, she's obviously qualified now. This locks her in for the All-Star Mile. You get the sort of win in your in path. Um, but just going on what, what you guys said yesterday, not quite convinced that 1,600 metres is, is sort of her sweet spot. But having said that, $5 million race would be hard to ignore, I would have thought. <laughs> Five million makes it her sweet, <laughs> her sweet spot. <laughs> no, look, you, you, you're right. Um, look, I got no doubt. Fourteen hundred is her best uh, distance. Um, it's you know her record says that simple as that. Uh, she sh- should have won at Mooney Valley over a mile. Um, I think the start before the Rupert Clark, she's very unlucky and should have won. So it's it's not you know out of bounds for her, but I. I yeah, obviously you'd prefer it for us to be 1400 but it's not. It's 1600 It's $5 million, and, and she'll be going around. She's pulled up well this morning, so um, she'll be uh, having a crack at it. Trent, we, we spoke to you, my mum spoke to Nat, actually, after the, the Rupert Clark, but we're not going back that long ago. She was up here in our town in Brisbane for the Winter Carnival last year, didn't really fire, then went back and ran unplaced at Flemington. Was there ever a stage with her... She was at the crossroads as far as her racing career was concerned? Yes, very much so. Um, she she actually raced all right in Brisbane. Like She didn't go badly, but she, she was running fifth, sixth, seventh, not getting beaten far, but not going as as you know good as we were hoping or as good as we knew she could. So um, then she came back, and it was obviously right in the breeding, breeding season, um, saying, well, at this stage, she probably doesn't look like going on with it being a Group 1 horse, and the the you know value was probably going to be at stud and we sort of tried something different and sent her up to Mildura for the Mildura Cup and just trying to get some confidence back in her and sort of it was very much if she couldn't beat the horses that were in that race there was no point continuing on with and luckily she uh, she put them away and and then got back on track. I imagine going into this race yesterday, you would have been mightily concerned with the way that the, the track was playing, um, given that Sierra Sue normally gets back. Having said that, you had Barrier One, which was always going to be potentially an ace up your sleeve. Yeah, the, the way you know, as you talk about maps and this and that, and nine times out of ten, the script goes out the window. But it very much looked like she was gonna, she was gonna box seat, and sort of the horses that ended up in front of her, that's where they were going to be and and we thought that may play out that way but you know, you're right, the, the track was leaders bias and it's, it doesn't make good racing and it doesn't make fair racing and I thought the track a couple of weeks ago at Caulfield, I thought that made for better racing, you know like they might have been coming out wide but Tafani won that day on the fence leading and every horse got their chance well, yesterday that wasn't the case and, and yet certainly no one wants to see that but we're uh, we're not complaining. It worked out in our favour, so uh, we're certainly uh, yeah we're certainly very happy. Just on that uh, on the issue of the Caulfield track, uh, unfortunately, it seems to be a talking point. It was a talking point yesterday. It was a talking point of the day. You've just mentioned the futurity. Uh, what are your thoughts on the the watering on race morning? What do you think? Oh look, that's a thankless task, and it's a hard task. And like everything now, everything's so you know, closely scrutinised and everyone's got an opinion and I think most of the participants, their opinion suits themselves, you know, what's what's going on to their horses that day so, as far as trainers and so forth. Um, I don't think there's any easy answer and 
I certainly uh, I wouldn't want the task of doing it. So um, it's it's a hard one for sure. Yeah, I reckon you, you've put that well, Trent. And look, we're obviously the Melbourne Autumn Carnival's in in full swing, but Sydney's really sort of uh, launching down there as well. Have you got anything for our listeners worth keeping a, an eye on that might be crossing the border for any of those big Sydney um, races or, or any, any horse of yours that you think is really worth keeping an eye on in the coming weeks in Melbourne? Got a Philly Bonheur. She, um, she ran fifth. She ran third first up over 1,000. She ran a close-up fifth in the prelude and the diamond prelude for Phillies charged through the line and we elected not to go to the diamond uh, we're going to keep her for the size produce in a couple of weeks 1400 at Flemington and I think she can win I think she's a very smart filly I think she's a group filly that's ultimately going to be a you know 14 1600 meter type horse so she's certainly one that I've, I've got high hopes for that's a good tip it's always a, it can be a very winnable race the size produce too with the right horse and it sounds like You've got the right one there with Bonheur. Just on Sierra Sue, it's amazing, isn't it? Since she won that Mildura Cup and the form turned around in the right direction, she won the, the Group 2 Lawrence, she won the Group 1 Rupert Clark, and she won the Group 1 Futurity yesterday. Always big odds in the market. Never seems to be respected in the marketplace. Yeah, I was sort of... Look, at, um, if you like on, face, on, on, on face value yesterday, she, pro- she probably was at the right price. You know, she got, she got beat... She went run well first up, running fourth, and she obviously took massive improvement and out of it. We we were happy with her in the oar, but Tafani well and truly had her measure that day. Um, so you know, I, I think the market was probably fair yesterday, but she's she's exceeded it and she's improved and come on. So sort of yes, you you can't uh, have any say on that, and you ignore it, and the, the the horses they they can't read it either. So I you sort of put it out of your mind a bit. Have you got any plans after that All-Star Mile, you know, autumn or winter? Yeah, look, to all-age all stakes, yep. um, you know, 1,400. Group 1, maybe if she could come out and win the All-Star Mile, you'd probably go to a Doncaster where she's got 52.5 kilos. So, um, But sort of each run at a time, but all those big races for her, you know, there's so much money on the table. She's still only young. I think she's only a five-year-old, so... Whether she goes to start at the end of the season or she has another season, you're looking at fillies, you know, such as Very Elegant racing right through to their seven, and mares can, you know, usually at their best racing when they're around six, providing they're injury free. And so far, Touchwood, she is. Good on you, mate. Uh, thanks for joining us this morning. Congratulations. Another group win for this mare, and uh, she now takes her record to nine wins from 22 starts. She's a, a deal group one winner. Thanks for your time. No worries. Thank you, guys. Sierra Sue taking the futurity. And, and, and Ben, you know, it's a word I don't like using, but she is underrated in a way, isn't she? I mean, she's now a, a group, a dual group one winner. She's only had 22 starts, so she's been very well managed, and she's won nine of them. Yeah, 100%. I must admit, I do like her. I do like the way she tries, but I, I couldn't have backed her. In fact, I didn't back her yesterday. I just, I know she had barrier one and could have been a bit more prominent, but I just thought the way that track was playing, she was just going to need a hell of a lot of luck. But... Uh, she was bolting a long way out. Um, look, my longer I thought was an interesting run. Uh, it appeared to be sort of hard at it a little way out, but really charged again uh, on the line. So I'm sure there's some some big fish to fry for Moonga coming up. That was a, a nice run. Tofane was okay. Uh, I'm thunderstruck. Uh, I suppose was never going to be suited by this this track the way it was playing yesterday. Being back last, you know, looked to be absolutely bolting. Looked to John McNeil looked to have a whole lot of horse underneath him, but just um, you know wouldn't have won anyway. But couldn't really get the the brace he needed, obviously in the straight. So look, no taking away from the winner of Sierra Sue. I don't think there was too much behind it with too many excuses on the day. No, I thought if there was a, a one-to-follow run, it was certainly Moonga. I thought his run was outstanding. And I'm thunderstruck. The expectations weren't high first up in the oar, and he basically ran, I think, to what Mick Price and Mick Ken Jr. expected. They'll probably come away from yesterday not quite as uh, as contented, even allowing for track issues. The, the tempo, there was nothing wrong with the tempo. They, they went out in 47.8, so it's a good enough tempo. So it may be the track, but... Uh, I think many would think that maybe he should have finished a length or so closer. That was the Futurity. Let's go to the third of the Group 1s, the Oakley Plate. And this exciting speech to Marabi was the favourite, but backable, $2.60.
So the leader is Melkovich, tries to fill up the lungs before the corner, but Morabi's right there. Wild ruler, third three, wider length away game, followed by Jonka, Oxley Road, Bella Nipotina from Poland, Streetcar Stranger ingratiating Minhaj and Zutori. Morabi moves up and takes Melkovich as they reach the 200 metres, and the mare takes over, then away game, and back behind the Oxley Road. But off she goes, 100 to go. Morabi, two legs in front of away game, who's flashing at her, but Mar Marabi's holding on and she's got the group one. Marabi for Ben Allen has won it from away game in Oxley Road. They were followed by a photo for four. Poland General Bow, and they were followed by Melkovich, Bella Nipotina ingratiating, Minhaj, and back behind those Jonka. Further back then was Wild Ruler Streetcar Stranger and Zutori. Marabi, this was the race that she was set for. Mission accomplished by Kieran Maher and David Eustace. A big day for Ben Allen, and uh, she's she's unbeaten seven from seven. She's one of the more one of the more exciting prospects in Australian racing. Ben, yeah, I guess the question was yesterday, wasn't it, David? Whether you were prepared to dive into her about the short price. Having said that, I mean, she as you said, she was backable. She was two dollars sixty. It wasn't like she was, you know, a dollar seventy or something. But you know, given she'd been stringing those wins together in lower grades, admittedly won a Group Two, you know, with a hoof in the air the start before but could you could you sort of take the short stepping up into into group one grade oh, i personally couldn't but another race i got hopelessly wrong uh you know she was nothing short of brilliant yesterday um i reckon the the, the world or well, the sky really is the the, the limit from her uh, for her um and there's just something there's something isn't there about these horses that put a, a picket fence of wins together they just draw people to racing uh, you know, you just you just want to watch her wherever she starts uh, next go, which would be interesting to see where they aim her at. And away game, I thought, you know, was uh, she was terrific um, as well. You know, the Ma Eustace Quinella there, there was definitely a few disappointments in this race though, and the Queenslander Jonker was one of them. Um, you know, was up on speed and finished last, uh, beaten over five lengths, I think. Um, I think the vets, just give me half a second, I reckon the vets found, uh, here we go, yeah, they found a degree of mucus that may have affected Jonker's performance. So, look, that may, to some extent, explain that run. But also, interestingly, uh, Jim Byrne, I think, was suspended uh, for 12 meetings for causing interference on Jonker. And I don't think Kieran Maher, who, uh, Kieran Maher, sorry, Kieran McAvoy, who rode Menage, uh, who was who ended up copying that interference was uh, particularly happy with uh, with Jim Byrne, so that was an interesting wash up uh, to that race. But yeah, it was really all about Marabi, and uh, she is one exciting horse, David. Her future, her racing future, short term and long term, are worth consideration from a short term point of view. I wonder whether they'll go to the new market in a fortnight's time. Yeah, it'll be it'll be an interesting one, won't it? I mean, oh, gee whiz, I don't know. One thing I will say, I mean, the moment sometimes is just a moment, isn't it? And jockey Ben Allen, uh, you know, he's been a terrific young rider for some time. Uh, the Group One Club, you know, he's now in it, and he's hardly eaten for the last fortnight mm. to, to get his weight down to 54 to keep the ride on this girl. He just pretty much stopped eating. He just had a few, you know, a little bit of fruit and a little bit of vegetables here and there, and he'd been, you know, training his bum off. So uh, he'd, he'd missed the ride on Morabi uh, the start before because he couldn't make 54 kilos. Absolutely desperate, obviously, in this group one uh, to get down to it. So, look, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, social media action last night from fellow jockeys, uh, you know, giving uh, you know, Ben Allen his rightful kudos. So, um, you know, great to see him take that next step. She's an interesting one. I mean, knocking winners is, is a foolhardy habit. She's won seven from seven, and she has won at 1,200 metres three times. The two times I've seen her at Caulfield, I've always had that impression, was she getting a little tired? But then you look at the time, the day she won the, the Christmas stakes on Boxing Day, she ran one two point eight, and yesterday... In yesterday's Ackley Plate, one, two, two, three. Well, you might be getting a bit tired, but you're still running super time. So um, it, you can't falter. And as I mentioned, the short term, the new market, the long term, would you consider her an Everest uh, possibility? Well, yeah, 100%. I mean, uh, well, I see actually in the shorter term. I mean, she's obviously known for the TJ Smith um, you know, during the championships as well. So, I mean, it'd be interesting to see if that, you know, potentially comes in the frame. She does go down to Sydney, potentially not. Um, but, yeah, look, I mean, the, the era of sprinters, 
you know, we're in is a really interesting one, isn't it, David? I mean, it's definitely time for a... When I say young, I mean, she's five, Marabi, so I don't suppose we can call her young. She'll be six this year. But I suppose it's definitely time for an up-and-coming sprinter uh, to really put their hand up because a lot of those season ones... Uh, I mean, yes, we've got the Nature Strips and, and the Mask Crusaders and, and a few more, but a lot of the real season ones have sort of fallen by the wayside, retired, uh, gone off a bit in the last few years. So definitely the time is now for an up-and-coming sprinter to put their hand up and say they are a top-line sprinter and Everest horse. Um, you know, and potentially Morabi could be one. There's absolutely no doubting that, though. They they executed their plan well. They planned to, to run in that Christmas stakes, which meant uh, automatic entry to the Oak League Plate. They achieved that, and I think this was the Oakley play was the grand plan. So, just what they do with her or don't do with her, I think, will be one of the more interesting talking points uh, racing wise over the next few weeks for sure. And certain away game, of course, they have Quinell of the race, and she's a wonderful mare. She she just performs well at the top level. And I thought Oxley Rhodes' run to finish third was good too because he couldn't get in on the lead. He was in an off-speed role, which is a bit unusual for him. Yet he found the line, so his run to finish third was good. Let's have a listen to one more race from Caulfield and Godolphin to the four again here, which we touched on earlier with Cascadian winning. A dash to the post, 3.50 out. Delphi the leader from Yonkers, who's a neck away. Cascadian shoulders into the clear, and then came Emissary, who looks to run on. Delphi joined and just about headed by Yonkers. Cascadian trying to grind them down. Yonkers at the 100. Now Cascadian lifts, then Emissary. Cascadian up to Yonkers. Cascadian took the front and got it done. Cascadian wins from Yonkers' Emissary. Then Delphi steal Prince and last went Wood. I mentioned in our uh, Slate Racing previews yesterday, Ben Cascadian, he's the sort of horse that you, you, you like to be with him, but then you've got to put your hand in the pocket and put the hard earned on, and that's sometimes a difficult step because he doesn't win out of turn, but it looked a really suitable race for him yesterday. To be fair, not many rivals and not the classiest Peter Young we've seen in recent times. No, and you'll be very impressed with this, David. I noted, you know, I'm, uh, you're always stirring me up about times and measures and what have you. I noticed this was a very, very slow time, so I'm starting to come right around to your this way. This is what thinking, I want to you know, hear. I'm, I'm picking these things up now. But, look, I suppose the barrier one again was a bit of a help here, wasn't it? Because it wasn't the sort of day, especially at this stage of the day, where you wanted to be making a searching run out wide. So Damien Oliver had the perfect race. I think it was the sixth time he'd won, won this race, David. So, look... Um, now heads towards, uh, you know, as Vin was saying, the Australian Cup and potentially the All-Star Mile as well. Wow, we that'd be a big week for Cascadian, wouldn't it? And it's certainly shaping as a, as a pretty good All-Star Mile so far, just by the, the conversation, what we've seen for the top top ten and so. Yeah, do you know what? Like, leave me out of potting the All-Star Mile. I've read some things in, in the past few weeks, uh, sort of having a bit of a crack at the race and the quality of it. I think the winners um, so far that we've seen in the All-Star Mile have been terrific. Uh, I think we'll have a good field this year. The only thing is, I guess, uh, as I referenced on um, Press Room on Monday, it does make it a little awkward, doesn't it, when horses are you know, finishing in the top ten in public votes and then subsequently withdrawn by their trainers uh, for various reasons, you know, which you can understand. So, you know, the makeup of the field can be a little bit murky in the public voting system. I don't know if there needs to be a few tweaks there, but the actual race itself, once we get there, uh, I reckon it's terrific. And you know what? We've probably mentioned the All-Star Mile on this show already this morning about 20 times. Yeah. I mean, job done, really. I mean, if we're talking about that race now, uh, you know, it, it's sort of fulfilling its job. You know, publicity, media-wise, there are people talking about it. So I reckon it's a good product, David. You were right, 151.59, the last 634.06. So what did they run the first 1,200 in quickly? <laughs> I've got no idea, but I can tell you they oh. ran bloody slowly yeah, Matt, the whole race. isn't yeah. too good. One seventeen five three. That was a slowly run, Peter Young. Let's... I will tell you this: yeah. I, I did go pretty good at school. Like I was, I was pretty good. I was in the top few percent. Maths, no good. I actually, believe it or not, uh, I failed maths. True story. No good at maths. What math. was your strongest so, you suit? What was your best subject? Oh, everything else, pretty much. Oh, yeah, I was pretty good at everything. I, I would have thought actually, I was pretty good at geography. Actually, the geography was pretty good. So, um, what about English? Very, very good at English, David. Probably why I became a journalist. And and certainly been noted in, in by your uh, great writing <laughs> skills. Let's um, stop basking in self glory, or at least you, and then we'll take a break and come back. In stark contrast to Caulfield yesterday, and a good for it was a heavy ten at Royal Ramwick, but still some great racing, and we'll discuss that shortly. This is Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level.
Yes, taking ownership uh, to the next level, Archer Park Racing. And as I said, go to that Archer Park Racing website, archerparkracing.com.au. There's more than just owning horses and winning races. That's great fun in itself. But there's a lot of social activity that Archer Park really get behind. They want to make owners enjoy the, the ownership experience, not just on the race day, because you don't win all the time, but there are so many functions and uh, race meetings, uh, carnivals, the Cairns Carnival in September, the Rocky, they've got big time in Rocky, of course, with the Archer. They've got a horse in the Archer, Archer Park, and, of course, the big carnival there in July, the Burnborough Club uh, uh, days. They had a big contingent there on Friday at the Guineas Room at Eagle Farm. So the, the racing, or the social calendar is up there. Now, have a look at it. There's a lot to do there. If you go to all of them, I don't know where you'll end up, but um, you'll have a good time in the process. <laughs> but anyway, that's archerparkracing.com.au. And, of course, all of the horses available for sale uh, up on the website. Royal Ramwick yesterday, many thought they might not race. They certainly raced, and we had um, a strong 10-event card. Two Group 1s, of course. Let's go to the first, the Chipping Norton, and this wonderful mare, very elegant, suited by the conditions, was the favourite at $2.50. Angel of Truth at the 600 metres leads the Group 1 field around the corner by a half length on Think It Over Mount Popper and Very Elegant moves up four wide. Colette's right there pinned away on the inside. She just needs a bit of galloping room. Angel of Truth in front from Think It Over and Very Elegant. She's starting to extend now and the Great Mare hits the lead of the 200. Very Elegant a length on Think It Over is in for the fight and then came She's Ideal. Colette can't get out. Very Elegant just in front. About a neck in front to She's Ideal is looking to rain on the party, but very elegant. She's brave, she lifts, and she wins her second Chipping Norton. Very elegant, fended off the roughy. She's ideal to win it. Followed then by Think It Over, Modophilia, Angel of Truth, in top rank from Dewis. Then came Colette from Mount Popper and Stockman last in. Yes, very elegant. She's a champion mare. She's uh, one of the greats of Australian racing. Her second Chipping Norton, successive Chipping Norton. And Chris Waller training, James McDonald riding. Ray Sokolsky is one of the part owners. And uh, he's always kind enough with his time to join us on Past the Post. And he's with us this morning. Bray, congratulations. Thank you so much, David. And a uh, pleasure to, uh, to join you this morning um, in the aftermath of an incredible day. Just take me through. I hope you've got this in your mind. I don't know how much you celebrated last night. Just tell <laughs> me the timetable of your success yesterday. Just take the listeners through it. Uh, well, I had, uh, there was an hour, it was within the space of an hour, I had the two runners in three group ones, uh, being the futurity first, then into um, the Chipping Norton, and then finally um, the surround. And uh, to be honest, I, I was just very happy to you know, walk away with one or just all horses running well. And uh, to win all three, like, it's just, astonishing and yeah I, I actually can't believe it it was felt like a bigger achievement than uh than anything i had done previously in racing so how did you celebrate bro you sound like you're in uh you know pretty decent nick actually this morning I might be a bit, <laughs> bit of a bit of a shambles but what did you actually do um thanks dan i always try and hold myself together you know that it's a it's a somewhat of a facade um we actually went to dinner uh, with a group who were at the races um uh, at a Coogee Pavilion, and um, yeah, we actually just stayed there, um, but um, they kept the bar open for us into the uh, wee hours of the uh, morning, and it was a fantastic celebration, and uh, Brent and Abdullah came to join, which was particularly special, um, because, you know, that, you know, everything that, you know, the background for that story and his resurrection made it all the more special, and he's a fantastic guy. And I was just so happy for him. Just putting that uh, time in perspective, three f uh, for, for uh, daylight saving time, 3.45 was the Futurity, 4.05 was the Chipping Norton, then Hinge winning the surrounded 4.45. Three group ones an hour. Pretty hard to beat. I know, David. Like I said, like I honestly can't believe it. Um, just that runners in those races um, was, you know, true privilege in itself. Um, and to win all three with you know, um, horses that we had bought, um, all of those were actually tried horses that we had bought one um, after the trial, um, very elegant after two runs in New Zealand, and obviously hymns um, after a handful of runs with a two-year-old in Queensland. So they all really different backgrounds in terms of the horses, um, and, you know, all 
Group one winners in the case of very elegant multiple, 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 and uh, even the um, even the Mercier Sioux is now a multiple group one winner. So yeah. Brave with very elegant. I guess a lot of people may have looked at this race. You know, seen a heavy ten. Obviously, Colette goes good in the wet as well. But thought you know, uh, very, very elegant could could win this on a rear almost. You know, she loves that. Started the two dollar fifty favourite, but she really, she really had to work for it. She really had to show her fighting qualities. And I suppose when you think back, often she doesn't win by huge margins, does she? No, she doesn't. And you know, this is the second preparation now that she's come back off, you know, a Melbourne Cup. Um, and as freakish as she is, that has to start to take its toll in terms of, you know, making her just that little bit more dour. Um, and the fact that she's still winning Group 1 races over eight furlongs, um, which, you know, is so far short of her optimum distance as a six-year-old mare, um, like I said, coming back from a Melbourne Cup win is astonishing in itself. Um, so, you know, her durability and her ability to come back preparation after preparation, at least if not better than where she was previously, is just... I think one of you know the, her most incredible attributes, and obviously a huge credit um, to the management and handling of her by Chris Waller. I think whenever Chris Waller retires, that's probably a long way away. If they've got, if they have to find a race for him or rename a race, they should take the Chipping Norton and make it the Chris Waller Stakes. You know, <laughs> he won this race for the first time with a horse called Dan Lee in 2011. In the last 12 runnings. He's won 10 of the 12 Chipping Nords. Of course, Wink's winning four of them, but it's still an extraordinary performance. Incredible. Um, he's got a mortgage on a number of, uh, of those Group 1 races uh, in Sydney, but that is an incredible record. Um, and interestingly enough, that was the first Group 1 that um, Very Elegance won twice. So she's won 10 individual Group 1s um, and now two Chipping Nordens. Um, and uh, Wink's uh, herself only won 11 individual group ones. She won so many of those races multiple times. So if Very Elegant wins the Queen Elizabeth, she'll actually have the same number of individual group ones um, as Winks. Um, so she's certainly in rarefied air and she just continues to elevate herself in you know, the pantheon of you know, Australia's greatest racehorses. And we're very hopeful that that international campaign in the spring... Um, will truly sort of be the um, defining moment um, of of her greatness. Yeah, I, c- I can't wait for that, Brave, if she does uh, go to the arc, obviously. But, look, um, just a funny little one for you for me to finish off. Have you ever been to Toowoomba? Would you be able to find it on a map? <laughs> Gee whiz, you can, you can buy some good horses from Toowoomba, incentivise and hinge to one, one the group one yesterday. Have you been to Toowoomba? Oh. Well, I don't know whether they would like me or hate me. Um, you know, I think there's an argument to say that I'm escalating Toowoomba in the um, scheme of, you know, where, you know, where it stands in the Australian uh, breeding and racing industry, but also I guess I'm robbing them of some of their best horses. Uh, but no, I haven't been there, Ben, but I, I may have to make a trip up there. And I've always had huge regard for Queensland breeding. I mean, I always thought the Queensland horses are underrated. Um, and I've just been so fortunate, obviously, to have acquired these two horses in the last uh, 12 months. And I'd like to think that the Queenslanders still feel proud of them as their own. And Dr. McCasco is, you know, bred um, uh, the filly. Uh, she's, you know, he was wonderful to deal with. And he's actually still retained a share, which makes it really special having him still involved. Um, but all credit to him uh, for breeding such an amazing filly. Thanks for your time this morning. Just before you go, what's the latest with incentivise? Uh, so we'll get another set of scans um, in the next week or so. Um, hopefully uh, they'll show the sort of improvement um, that physically is demonstrating um, on the surface. And we're still very confident that the horse is going to be 100% um, and back um, for, a, for a tilt at uh, a Cox Play campaign in the spring. Fair enough. Always, As I said, always appreciate your time. Have a good day. Thanks so much, Dave. Thanks, Ben. Ray Sikowski joining us. So I was reading a tweet there last night, Ben, uh, saying that this man has had uh, almost unprecedented success in racing in such a short space of time. And it's pretty hard to argue with that point. 
Do you know what, mate? There's a lot of people uh, that seem to, you know, it's the way of society these days. We like to knock down tall poppies, and especially those who are, you know, a little bit different and a bit out there, which Bray is, you know. Like he wears his emotions uh, right on his sleeve on race day, enjoys a good time, prepared, you know, I'm in the media and so are you. He's prepared to, you know, give us a good quote and tell us what he thinks. Um, I don't really see the problem with that. I, I don't. I never thought, he always presents to me as, as very... Uh, well thought out. Um, he, he always gives credit to others when it's due. Uh, yes, he's created a bit of controversy at times. Um, but you know what? Don't we actually want that in racing? I, I mean, give me a Bracekowski who, who actually has a crack, tells us what he thinks, and is and he's prepared to be upfront and honest and, and be there on race day for everyone to see, rather than the, the owner or trainer who just sort of hides in the background and says nothing. You know, so well, I'm all for the Bracekowskis of the world. May not be everyone's cup of tea. Um, but, you know, different strokes for, for, for different blokes, different things make the world go round, and I think he's terrific for racing, so good on him. We know her as the uh, the, the, the matriarch of Australian racing. She's a wonderful mare. Um, Ruffy's ran the placing. She's ideal and angel of truth. I think it overran fourth, probably not as effective on that sort of going. He had a good run. He just didn't sort of have that same turn-up speed late in the piece. No, nah, I think it was probably a better than good run from Think It Over. I mean, he drifted significantly in betting when the track was, was heavy. I think Renwell got beaten less than a length and a half on a heavy track, which he was never going to like. So uh, I don't think he would have lost any um, fans from that run, Think It Over. But, wow, well, yeah, as you say, David, it's $71 huge run um, from Bjorn Baker's Ruffy. She's ideal. Stormy home. Uh, not quite giving very elegant a fright, but, you know, not far off. And as we said, Colette, she seemed disappointing on face value. Let's go to the other group one. This was the surround. We have touched on it, of course, hinged. But Chris Waller, Breton have done a wonderful comeback by him. And she gets the bobbin on the line to score. Here's the replay. Never been kissed, travelling well from Tillianum. Hinge goes to third. A couple off then to Aim Divine from Shahonka. Four moves ahead. Espiona still six off them and a length and a half further back to Fangirl as Hinge moved up now. And Finch takes the lead from Heresy. Startonos bursting through Espiona very late. Startonos goes after Hinge, then Espiona. Startonos and Hinge, stride for stride. Hinged and Startonos, they split the line. This is desperately close. Hinged on the inside of Startonos, I'm not sure here. Espiona's got up to run third in front of Heresy, hope in your heart, and then came Fangirl. Further back to four moves ahead, never been kissed, gay ground, then Sweet Ruby, followed by Shahonka from Zuzarella Jamea, then Tillinum from Iron Divine and Larkspur Run. Photo finish. I was watching the race here in Ann Street at our studio and I thought Star Todes was 100 to 1 on to go past Hinge and then all of a sudden when they hit the line, I said she's kicked and she's won. I'm sure our next guest will be deli- was delighted when the photo result came down, Dr. Kim McCasker. Kim, congratulations. Uh, that must have been a wonderful thrill yesterday. It was. Fantastic, in fact. Uh, you weren't there? No, no, no. I never planned to go there. Look, um, I, I didn't think she ran the 1,200 metres last time. I, I knew she wouldn't be um, um, good enough to win on that. And the 1,400, I, I thought, um, it, it's still too short. Um, but the rains come, we might be some chance, but, and uh, what will be, will be, and um, and she's got a habit, um, when she was running in Brisbane, she had um, the first seven starts with five wins in, in the two seconds, which were photos, and every time in those seconds, she she wanted to, to relax, she wanted to drop the bit, and she just wouldn't concentrate, and um, she did that a little bit when she got to the front yesterday at, at Randwick, but when the other horse came, I think she lifted. She just knew it was there. Kim, knew she was there. Just take, yeah. Kim, just, just take us back to, uh, I mean, you obviously bred and, and, and raced this girl, um, you know, in Brisbane. Take us take us yeah. back to that phone call. We just had Bray Sikolsky on just then. Take us back to yeah. the phone call that, uh, you know, basically, you know, changed the career of, uh, changed the course of her career, I guess, you know, um, basically being sold down south. I know you've retained, a, a, I think, a 10% share in her, but, but just take us through that procedure. Oh, well, I, you know, I, I bred that horse. I, I, uh, the, the mare, I raced, and she won 12 races for me. Ran won a lot of cups, and um, I really liked her, and I um, put her to stud. Uh, and then uh, Worthy Cause came along, and I, I took a, a share in that, and I started to um, to breed uh, some of my mares. And um, anyway, so um, she came along, and she was 
some of your best horses are ones that are looking at you. Uh, they just develop and get better. And I think she's one of those. And we ha- we were going to run her in the um, um, the Padoche, um, um first race in Toowoomba, but she just wasn't mature enough. And um, she didn't seem like um, she was going to be um, you know, all that good. But when we brought her back the next time, she improved that much that um, you know, we were quite astounded. Um, but she, she's a, uh, Michael and I have done a wonderful job with her. Um, um, I, I sent him yesterday. I sent him a message, and um, he um, he's, done, he's, he's done her trick. Um, we won uh, five races, two seconds. As I said, they're all kids' money. It contributed to um, a worthy cause, uh, being uh, first season sire in Queensland. He won that, so it's great. And good night out at City Hall. Um, but I just think she was getting better and better all the time. I noticed at the time she ran was similar to um, the sectionals, was similar to um, Very Elegant, and I've got a firm belief that uh, she will stay all day. And I noticed um, on the screen here now that she's nominated for the um, the AJC Oaks and also the Derby. Now, whether she'll get that distance remains to be seen, but she's heading that way. It's a great boost for that sire-worthy cause. He was a capable horse. Uh, he wasn't a world beater, but he was a, a multiple winner. So that, that's a great boost for his uh, breeding stocks. It doesn't seem, Kim, well, maybe it does to you, I don't know, but it doesn't seem like tw- almost 23 years ago, Laurie's Lottery won a Dooman 10,000. He was a great, uh, great uh, money spinner for you then. Yes, yes, he's a fantastic horse. Um, um, you know, he, he, he competed, I can remember one, um, one campaign we went down to Sydney and Melbourne and um, we had five races and we're all group races, group one to two, um, and um, at worst he finished for second. And uh, he just got beaten in the, in the Caulfield Guineas. Um, and um, yeah, that was a fabulous race that day. Ken Melody um, uh, beat him um, in a photo. And um, it was daylight for the, the third horse. And, um, and Ken Melody went over to Hong Kong. And Laurie came back home and won the 10,000 next year. Uh, Kim, last one from me. I thought I spoke to Rob Heathcote this morning. Uh, and he mentioned to me that you, uh, yeah, obviously he was a, the, the narrowest of runner-ups on Star Tontes, uh, and he thought it was very, very classy that you gave him a call soon afterwards and just passed on your, your, your condolences. That, that was just a nice touch, I thought, Kim. <laughs> well, it's, um, you, you'd expect, I would expect someone to ring me if we were uh, two Queensland horses down there and... Uh, and uh, he beat me, you know, he should give me a ring too, but um, because we're, you know, <laughs> how many times do we get two and then one, one two in a group one? Fantastic. Because we're basically um, breeders at heart and we know that the, the group one rating will um, will stand it, you know, in, in the future and, um, you know, we can race some better horses. It's all about racing and winning. Of course. I uh, I mentioned Laurie's Lottery. That was, uh, I think, won the 10,000 in 1999. How long have you been involved in racing? How far do you go back? Oh, a little bit before that. Um, uh, my family always um, have been punters. Um, my brother, he still is, and my and my father and mother who passed away, they were. And even myself as a kid, I used to catch the um, um, catch the um, um, the bus and go out to the creek and um, and um, go to the crots and go to races and we'd go out the flat and when, when it was Eagle Farm and used to. Uh, in those days, you could bet. Uh, two shillings and four shillings and five shillings and um, and that was at the flat and never got to see the um, you know, the paddock at all. So uh, you know I had a, a pretty wicked <laughs> um, bringing up and in, in, in a gambling sense, but I, I don't even I don't bet now and I uh, I just love love horses running. Well, you've got a rich and long history because I think the flat closed at Eagle Farm in the late '60s, so you've been around the racing for a long time and. <laughs> To, to have that uh, to have that group one yesterday, it's uh, it's uh, a great uh, great attribute to you. Congratulations, Kim. Thanks for joining us this morning. No, thank you very much. It's lovely to be on the show. Thank you, Dr. Kim McCasker, uh, the breeder and still part owner of Hinge Winning Essay, and Brett Navdala must get a special mention as well, Ben. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I don't. I must admit, I, uh, I don't know Brenton uh, all that well, but. I must say, from some of the interviews that he's done in the last, not only yesterday, but in the in the lead up uh, last week when he came back, or recently when he came back, you can actually tell he's a bit of a changed man. Mm. He, he even admits he took everything a bit for granted. I think in racing, and it became a bit of a chore at times, a bit of a job. He sort of turned up and go through the motions. 
but just having a, a you know not a brush with death, I wouldn't go quite so you know wouldn't, wouldn't go that far, but a, so certainly a brush with you know very serious injury and, and and you know career in a crossroads potentially having that time off has really fortified him. Obviously, he's a father now as well. Um, so I can tell he's uh, tell he's just a changed man. And wow, we did you hear that thunderclap in the background, David? I think I just got hit by lightning. But anyway, we'll push on. I heard a well, we're sort of in a soundproof studio, but I could hear something there. So I'm sure you're right. Uh, amazing, isn't it? The difference of a, a short half head or half a head. And what I said at the outset, uh, did you agree? I thought Star Tottenham was just going to go whoosh and win. Yeah, I, I just reckon maybe just in the last 50 metres, or not even the last 50 metres, even the last 25, 30 metres, maybe she just peaked slightly and maybe it was just that uh, that heavy track because I don't reckon she's on a on a best, obviously, certainly on a heavy 10. But she was, she was cruising, looked to be cruising a long way out. I sort of had my eyes on her rather than hinged and she looked like she, was, she, was, she had a, a full head of steam. Uh, disappointing one for Rob Heathcote. Actually, it's a funny story, David. Uh, speaking to him this morning, he was flying down um, to watch Star Tontes, as a trainer would do for a Group 1, but was sort of given the indication yesterday morning that the races were going to be off because of the weather in Sydney. So he made the last-minute decision uh, not to fly down. <laughs> and then they went ahead, actually watched it on TV in his office, and, uh, yeah, he just basically didn't know whether to you know, to, to smile or curse after the race. But she was, she was magnificent. She'll go for a short let-up now and, you know, be set for the Brisbane Winter Carnival, potentially even trying to get into a race like the Strabroke Day. Well, let's listen to a couple of other features from Royal Rambic yesterday. And as we said, we were on a heavy 10, so you needed to be a dead set wet tracker. And she's one forbidden love. She was in the Group 2 guy, Walter. Here's the replay. Around the turn, Vangelic. Clark, like the previous race, hugging the rails, two lengths clear from Forbidden Love, who travels up well in second, then Harmony Rose. Three further back to Ice Bathurst. Forbidden Love comes off heels, put paid to Vangelic at the 200, and they're well clear from the rest. Ice Bath struggling, promised a success. Kiku making some headway, but Forbidden Love is roaring away here with the guy, Walter. This is a big win coming up. Forbidden Love by three lengths, second, promised a success. Vangelic third, Ice Bath a labouring fourth. They're Kiku from Mirror Vision, Harmony Rose and Shout the Bar. She's won six from 20 for Richard and Michael Freeman. Hugh Bowman, as Darren alluded to, had the ride and she is very good on, on heavy going. That was her third win on, on heavy from four attempts. Yeah, she was. There was a big disappointment in this race. Uh, ice bath. I thought well, I like Forbidden Love uh, a lot, but I, I must I must say, with 58 kilos, Ice Bath only had 54. I thought that would be the decisive factor here. Both obviously love the heavy, but uh, Ice Bath was, uh, was gone a fair way out, beating almost five lengths, well backed into $2.05 as well. So really big disappointment. Ice, uh, Ice Bath will just have to keep an eye on uh, what happens there. But, yeah, look, always had promise. Forbidden Love uh, obviously won uh, the surround, I think, uh, a year ago on the, on the same day pretty much. So didn't have much luck. Uh, in the spring, I thought her run first up was, was more than passable. So, uh, obviously, going to the cool more now. And it's interesting to hear, actually, the um, the comments of Michael Friedman post-race. He, uh, I don't know whether he was just having a cheeky throw at the stumps, but uh, we mentioned the Everest before. He said um, he said this girl wouldn't actually be out of place in an Everest. So, that's <laughs> breaking away is pretty early. She was a $7.50 chance yesterday. There was always the thought yesterday morning that Ellsberg would drift in price. First up since the Villiers, never an easy task on a testing heavy 10 track yet he delivered in space let's listen to him win the group three liverpool city cup so into the straight, Clark staying on the fence here on Ellsberg and as a dominant leader at the 300 metres, four lengths clear from Blue Soldier. Then came Poetic Charmer, the other pair not picking up. So Clark uh, determined here to stay on the fence on Ellsberg and he holds a big lead. Poetic Charmer's going into second at the end from Blue Soldier. Then came Brutality, but Ellsberg is going to lead all the way. Fence is fine. Ellsberg, he's down, won it by a big space. Second goes to Brutality, I'd say, a nose in front of Blue Soldier. Ahead away poetic charmer from order of command and now a tissue's just galloping past the post now Ellsberg as we said hadn't raced since the Villiers that was in mid-December so this was a good performance yesterday and Darren made a point that's worth uh, making further that even though it was a heavy 10 it was a, a fair playing track yesterday inside outside up the front in the middle out the back they came from everywhere and uh, Ellsberg did well and well he can only be fitter for that run so that was a very encouraging autumn return bid 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, first up as well, four starts, four wins. Very, very consistent. 15 starts, only been out of uh, the placings on two occasions and obviously, um, you know, very good on a heavy track as well. A couple of starts, a couple of wins there from three starts. And, um, yeah, interesting ride, wasn't it, from Tim Clark? Uh, some hearts in mouths, you know, when he ducked back to the fence. Thought, wow, we is the, is the fence the place to, the place to be or not? Well, it certainly was. Um, never in danger at all. So pretty easy watching the end for favourite backers. We're on countdown of the Golden Slipper, only three weeks away, and we have these traditional lead-ups now: a, a Phillies and a Colts race. And yesterday, the Sweet Embrace won by Fireburn. She's a real little trier, and she she knuckled down well to win. And Primito won the the Colts and Yellings a fourteen dollar chance. And Jamelli must make mention of Tommy Button's horse ran third. And a great story by Ray Thomas on Tom Button on RaceNet, uh, Ben, uh, profiling Tom, and a lot that I didn't know about it, I'm sure many listeners wouldn't either. Go to RaceNet and have a look at it. It's a good story. Yeah, absolutely. talks about his um, you know, background in, in the military. Um, so, uh, yeah, head along to RaceNet and have a look at it. Really interesting read. And Jamelde, um certainly lost absolutely no uh, admirers, you know, got beaten less than three lengths. I must say, probably didn't get the, the easiest run uh, in transit, but with a few hundred to go, was certainly looking like he was going to be in the finish. And I think there was a large crew of owners down there on track. Uh, some of the trackside microphones uh, picked them up, you know, cheering their lungs out with a few hundred metres to go, but um, unfortunately just faded. But still ran really bravely and, and well for third, certainly didn't disgrace himself. Well, thanks for your time this morning. And of course, you'll join me on Press Room tomorrow morning. So we'll see. What's happening weather-wise in connection with racing here in south-east Queensland? At this stage, things are looking pretty ordinary as we look out of our windows here in Ann Street. But I think the rain is going to ease at some time later today or later tonight. So fingers crossed for that because it has been not just the amount of rain, but, of course, the flooding situation has certainly made things more serious. Ben, thanks for your time. Thanks, David. And Dory's joining us. And to my driver, Dean, this morning, you deserve a gold medal for bravery getting me here negotiating four or five different routes to, to, to get to the city. But we did it. Thank you, Dean. And, folks, thanks for your company this morning as well. I look forward to you joining me on Press Room tomorrow morning. Past the Post, brought to you by archerparkracing.com.au. They do take racing ownership to the next level. Bye-bye.